0: Restless has just been this, this thought that I had after reading through James. I felt restless. There's that sense of wanting, um, you've heard that, that old analogy of how, like, um, you know, us going up an elevator toward heaven and seeing our friends going up an elevator to hell and how there's this restlessness that if you have a dream like that, you want to go and talk to everybody you know, right? And tell them about Jesus. You want to, you want to... <laughs> just causes you want to do. Now that doing is nothing, it's not about um, just the doing. It's about being. It's about becoming, right? As we read the word, we're to do what it says. And I think our faith is, is in a sense, and I think this is what James is saying, I think even Paul has said this, that our faith, um, our, our faith is how we are saved, yes, but our faith alone it's not accomplishing what, what God has set us out to do. There's a, there a becoming that we have to do what the word says. And, and the last words of Jesus keep coming to mind, that, that going and making disciples. And however that is done, if it's, if it's going and, and you know, giving some, some awesome cookies, homemade cookies to some guys and, and washing their clothes for them, yeah well, not washing them for them, but giving them quarters so they can wash them and hanging out with them for a little while. Give them some coffee maybe. Maybe it looks like something else. Maybe there's a there's a uh, doing what the Lord says in his word that, that's different for you. And and maybe there are people that come to you to be mentored, to be um, in that relationship with you. Um, but we've been going through James and in. And finishing this out, I feel I feel a little bit like we're we're kind of wrapping up uh, this whole concept, and we're going to be moving next week into uh, into looking at the life of Jesus, leading towards the cross. Um, And we're going to walk that way. Um, We'll have a Good Friday service this year, um, and be able to talk about the cross. And we'll end out this next series actually the week after Easter because. Um, maybe squish in the timeline a little bit, maybe not the church calendar that we're used to, but, but we need to go to the cross and, and to the empty tomb. But we also need to take a look at um, when he left. And I think it's good to kind of to remind ourselves about this, this full path that he walked to the cross and then to being by the Father's side. Uh, the title this week is Be Restless, for the Lord is Near. Um, Jesus came... Uh, to proclaim the kingdom of God. And there was a lot of things that happened during that. You know, I, I think it's it funny that um, the first, his first miracle, um, he was kind of like, woman, what are you doing? He's talking to his mom. You know, it's like, guys, we have a tendency not to be the most respectful to our moms. You know, Jesus was, and so I'm not saying he was disrespectful. He was just like, I'm not ready for this, but okay, I'll go get, get some water for me and let's change it into wine. Um, but uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the idea is we're going we're gonna to be looking at Jesus, and, and I think that that's our, our true north. Um, always need to come back to Jesus. Always need to, to, to focus on that life um, because his life, I don't want to just say changes our life, but there's like a, you know when you hear music that transposes and it, it kind of goes up you know, to another key, it, it's like when when we go back to Jesus it's like we're going up to another key, right? And we go about our life a little bit in that key and we come back and we go to Jesus and we go up another key and it's you remember those songs like like in the 80s that were just like they just like kept going up and up and up and it's like okay, can't sing that high anymore but but it was it it, it was lifting, right? Um, so that's where we're going to head. Uh, but as we finish out this morning I, I was thinking about this my I, my mother-in-law was coming to town and, uh, we love that and love um, having guests. They, they had us as guests, so, so this guest thing was rooting around in my head, and I, and I was thinking about how, how we are when we know that there are guests coming. Do we just kind of like, you know, throw out a little kibble and, and maybe throw a pillow on the couch? <laughs> sure. Do, do we just, you know, I mean, we go and we like, especially when it's somebody that we love and we care about, we go and get like their favorite food, Right? We we um, maybe when they come into town, we take them to the restaurant they like in town, or we 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 frantically are going around the house cleaning and and and, and you know m- well maybe if it's family maybe you don't clean as much but you, you know <laughs> but if you have guests there's that there's that franticness there's that preparation that you go through right am I am I talking to anybody else in here? Yeah, anybody else get that 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 I mean it's an excitement but it's also like oh, oh, I got to do this and, and you start you know like couples you start yelling at each other a little bit. It gets a little more tense. You have maybe that intense fellowship where you're you're hollering at each other. No, but I clean that room. No, but clean this room and do this and get the dishes out of the dishwasher. There's this restlessness, right? When somebody's coming. And I think this is the restlessness that I, I felt when I was reading through James, that that restlessness of the Lord speaking and investing into my life, and I want to I speak and, and, and invest that into other people's lives. Um, preparations are made. This restlessness causes us to prepare ourselves, to prepare our, our home, and you know, generosity and hospitality demand it. If you're a if your gift is, is hospitality, God bless you. That 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 is such an awesome thing where you you just you almost have people come and stay and you put a mint on their pillow and you I mean it, it feels like a bed and breakfast, right? Anybody like that? <laughs> Keep pointing at you. I'm hearing Mickey. I did. Shall we go for the opposite? <laughs> yeah, if that's not gifting you'll still find yourself pressing through that, but it's harder. It's kind of like there's, there's joyful givers and, and then there's the rest of us that are like, oh, okay, thank you, Lord. you Take this for something. But you have those people that are like, oh, yes, tithe and, and like helping people and, and it, it, it's just this exciting thing, right? Where we're gifted, we get excited about that. Anybody? Am I, am I talking to Anybody? Oh, well, this morning, we're gonna go into James chapter five and, and conclude this this series. But Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this, this word. Um, I thank you, Lord, for this restlessness that, that you're rising up in my heart at least. But I can see a restlessness in people, um, a restlessness that's leading um, your people to do what you're calling. Um, and I praise you for that. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, James... Uh, chapter 5, that's where we're at, we're going to start right at the, wrong direction. James, I'm giving you plenty of time to get to James, as I'm getting there too. But James, uh, we're going to look at chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. First point is simply this. Ouch. (laughs) Wow. Kind of seems like what a a curse to becoming rich. Isn't it? Does it feel like that? It's like this just kind of took a, you know, James is going over here and all of a sudden he goes, (laughs) Goes over here and just like has almost this bashing of, of, of riches. And no wonder that we have thought throughout history there are, there, are those that, um, there are those that have sworn off inheritances to go and become monks. I think it's Saint Francis did that. He, he was from a wealthy family and he swore it all off to go and just serve the Lord. Um. There, there's that vow of poverty that, that is more, kind of um, comes from that, that uh, monastic background. Monks and, and nuns, they would swear off earthly wealth. Um, they would actually probably come in and bring that into um, the, the monasteries that they were going to. Um, and they would go and they would live in a small cell and live very meagerly though I'm sure that that's not what was being implied here. It's not implied that that's what we have to go do. We don't have to go off into the hills uh, to focus on the Lord. I think the Lord wants us to be in the world, but not of it. We've we've read that. Um, There is something about giving of our wealth, uh, and we know that we are a wealthy country, are we not? So some of that um, can be an ouch, but it is something that's a, a bit of a gut check for us Americans. Because if you've ever been to another country where you've seen abject poverty, you feel wealthy, don't you? And, and there's, a, there's a weight in the stomach when you go and you see people living at the edge of a dump. We took Zoe to um, a, a dump that's between Tijuana and Takate. And that dump is... Um, it, it's hard to see that people live at the edges. They're at the edges of the dump because this is their subsistence. They are, they're gathering out um, cardboard and, and other recyclables to be sold. The thing is, is the people that are guarding the, the dump um, have a business on the side of charging them for little food carts. And what they do is they'll, they'll pay them in food and drugs. And it's It just, it just wrecks you. And the thing to understand is, you know what, wealth is not the problem. As it is said, you know, it it does say that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I think sometimes we do get that confused. Um, It's not the money itself, it's our, our turning towards that rather than using it as a tool. And it is clear that, uh, that wealth can be a distraction from our hearts toward the kingdom of God. Um, it says in the, um, the Beatitudes that blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, Jesus says that this to those that are broken. Now you can be wealthy and you can be broken, can you not? You can have money but not feel complete. You can be in that place where you are poor in spirit. Can you not? And I think Jesus says to those that are broken um, and that understand how far they've fallen short or even those that realize, that have realized a freedom from the tyranny of things. Um, A.W. Tozer had coined that phrase of this tyranny of things. This day and age, do you think we have things that can can reign tyranny over us? that can take a hold of us uh, and and can distract us from what the Lord wants us to do? Um, Is is that distraction a possibility? But There is a generosity and a grace in the hearts of those who um, have been greatly uh, forgiven. Um, We see that with with the the gentleman that was was forgiven a debt. Kind of two different um, uh, thoughts. We have uh, those that are forgiven by Jesus, the, uh, or sorry, in the story, the uh, the analogy that um, Jesus is giving about this this man that is, uh, has been forgiven by his master, and he goes out and he goes and starts to throttle this guy that owes him just a little bit. And it's just interesting how, you know, in a way, he was given wealth, and how he used it was not the best. Um, but those that have been, Forgiven greatly and understand that and recognize how much we've been given in Jesus. There's a generosity in our heart, is there not? There's that that sense of, um, let's read on in in James. James 5, 7 and 8 says this. um, uh, Patience and suffering. Be be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for uh, precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives um, the early and the late rains. So also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, um, brothers, so that you may be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Um, number two, our, our second point is this. Patience is easy. Uh, That might be a little tongue-in-cheek because it's not really that easy. When I was growing up, um, it's kind of an odd story, so forgive me on this, but I I remember when I was growing up, I I was the last to get any hair, facial hair, you know, chest hair. And with guys, this is something that they they just ridicule to no end, right? I had like one mole that was like hair, you know, like this. (laughs) So so, like I I would... I would start shaving that, but that was it. I just had a little. (laughs) It's like I can shave. There was a guy in seventh grade that had a full beard and he had back hair. We thought that was the coolest thing ever in seventh grade. Um, And I didn't. I didn't really need to shave that mole (laughs) until high school. In fact, I really didn't get a... I mean, I had patching until I was like 19, 20. But I want to go back and slap my younger self. You know why? Because I prayed fervently that I would have to shave. <laughs> I want to go back and show him ear hair. It's like it just keeps coming. And, and I destroy razors. Part of the reason why I, I have you know, any variation of beard of some kind is because I, it, like, in a, two weeks, I'll go through a blade. So, but this stuff's all soft. This stuff right here, no. So, the thing is, is I, I would pray fervently for, for I want back hair. Why? <laughs> I want a beard. Why? And I remember doing that saying, okay, so I prayed for that, but I also prayed for the other thing that you're really, they say, don't pray for this. I prayed for patience. They say, don't pray for patience because you'll get opportunity to learn patience, right? I got lots of opportunity to learn patience. I was very impatient, impetuous, maybe last week. Um <laughs> But I prayed for patience. I prayed for, for chin hair. And I got both. Because our God, if we pray, he's going to hear and answer us, right? And he may even answer us with yes. I will give you a beard. And back hair. Ugh. But we pray for patience that, that God is going to give us plenty of those opportunities if we pray for it. We pray for others to have patience. That's just mean, okay? Stop it. I wonder, though, are, are we really not supposed to pray for patience? I mean, I think about, I think about um, Solomon. Solomon prayed for what? Wisdom. And what did God give him? Wisdom. He's known as the wisest man of human history, right? Because he prayed for wisdom. What did he have to go through to get that? <laughs> I got back here in impatient in times, but praying for wisdom. He probably had to go s- through some things that wisened him up. Yeah? He was um, probably sitting over, I mean, we, we read about one of the things that he judged over, but I'm, I'm sure that there were some pretty crazy things that he had to, had to judge over as a king. And he had wisdom. What other things can we pray for that God will answer and give us. If we need to be patient, the best thing to ask for is the God of the universe is for that patience. I think that if we ask with the right heart, our motives directed at the Lord, then, then patience could be easy, right? Because he is going to give it. He's going to give us those opportunities, yes, but he's going to walk us through those times of patience. Our third point is this. This is a paradox. Wash, rinse, repeat. I've seen this on, on, um, on shampoo bottles. Wash, rinse, repeat. I think this really fits with, with for us as Christians. Christianity is not about some formulaic approach to a relationship with Jesus. Though there are some key things as believers that we can do, and I guess there are some things that we've, we've seen in, in the Word where there, are, there is kind of a formula, isn't there? I mean, Jesus lays out prayer. It says, pray like this. So I guess in a way that there is a formula, and yet there's not. That's that paradox, right? Two things that are true, but contrary in the way they feel. But it's kind of like this. It's like pray, praise, love, repeat. Pray, praise, love, repeat. We pray. We praise God for what he's done. We love others, and we keep doing that, right? That's a good formula. I think if we lived our life with that, would there be a problem? Jesus even tells us that plan in the Lord's Prayer. Um, we have a cycle of our weekly church services. There's, there's that, that constant cycle that I think we need. Because if we get away from that, if we, if we uh, leave that to the side and we, we, we don't, if we forsake the gathering of the saints, what happens? Our love grows cold, doesn't it? Can, can, you, can you sit across from your family for one meal in a month? One meal in, in two weeks? And are you going to have a good relationship with your family? If, if you have things that you need to work through, what's the best thing to do? It's to press in. It's to press through into those relationships, is it not? And if you're frustrating the heck out of somebody, but you press into that relationship, it's going to frustrate them a little bit, but they're going to get past that, aren't they? It's like hugging somebody that, that, that needs a hug but really doesn't want a hug. You know, there's that war with it, but then you can tell that they, as they, you know, like with a child, you, you hug them and then they, they, they settle into it. I mean, my daughter, there's some times where she's just like, I'm too cool for a hug, you know, and you give her a hug and you hold her until she just, she just like, ah, oh. she settles into it. Thank you, God, for, for daughters. mm and sons, I'm, I'm just saying, I've got a daughter, so but we're, we're open to God showing up in everything that we do and we're and, and changing our plans, or even, even we are open to praying and seeing the miraculous happen, are we not? Do we want to see the miraculous happen in our lives, in others' lives, in our church, in our community, in our families, our extended families? We want to see the miraculous. But I think we're afraid of what the miraculous might bring. The miraculous brings change, does it not? The miraculous brings about things where I might have to ask questions about myself and my own motives. Let's go on in James 13 through 18. It says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. has, power, has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Prayer of a righteous person. We are to pray for one another and this is an, is an initial, uh, this is where we're initially supposed to, I mean, this is where we're seeing that restlessness in us, is that, that stirring to pray, right? There's that uh, a prayer of a righteous person. You ever read that and go, you might, you might first say, God, what is that? What does that mean? How do I be that? But I think, I think what that's leading us to is the prayer of, God, make me a righteous person. That's a dangerous prayer, right? Because we're going to walk through something to get to that righteousness. We're going to spend time with the Lord to get to that righteousness. We hear someone... Um, that has a need for prayer and the best thing to do is to pray right at that moment and if we can. If we are in alignment with God's purpose for us and we are following in faith after Jesus and we pray, we can see the sick people healed. People's lives changed. Rains could cease or even we've seen it in in the word that the sun stood still for part of a day. Now, the miracles may be different in our day. It may be different in our lives. But that kind of power is available in our prayers. Is it not? Even more to the miraculous is when lives are changed. That's, that's the miracle I, I think we see more and more today is, is seeing people's lives change from, from where, where they have been where God wants them to be. When we see them, them walking in their own faith, their own stuff, and making a decision to start stepping in his way. That, that step right there is miraculous. Because that's overcoming personal pride. Lives are changed when when we, when we release people from offense that we have taken. Because you know what? When we have an offense, you know, people don't know it. Now, we may say something, hey, I, 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 you have offended me. Okay, then it, then it gets out where it can be worked on. But, but before that, it's residing right here. That offense, I mean, it, it literally, it will destroy you if you take offense and you hold that offense. We're to forgive, right? And forgiveness for us is at the level that we forgive. So if we're like, I forgive you. Okay, we're setting the bar pretty low. But when, when we say, you know what? They don't even know, but I'm going to just say, I forgive them, Lord, for what I was hurt for. They probably don't even know that I'm hurt, and so I need to just forgive them. Lord, help me to forgive them. And maybe you even have to step out and say, hey, you know what, I'm sorry. I've taken offense on something, and I don't need you to work anything out. I don't need to, I just need to ask your forgiveness because I've forgiven you for that thing. You know, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the 12 steps... People have to go and and have um, reconciliation with people in their lives that have hurt them or that they have hurt. And there's there's that walking through that they have to go through and say, you know, forgive me for for my alcoholism. Forgive me for what I did to you, what I said to you when I was under the influence. And that's part of what they have to get through before they can be truly free. And that's not even, I mean, it's based off of the Bible people that have offended you or hurt you. Maybe there's a family member that you don't talk to anymore. Wow. How many times does it say that we're supposed to forgive? I think it's more than that, but that's what Jesus said. (laughs) It's like this, right? I think he was alluding to, if you can count that high, then, you know, more power to you. But I think we're supposed to just keep forgiving. Put an infinity symbol after forgiveness. We need to keep doing that. Because God's about reconciliation. What did he do to his world, right? When he sent Jesus to the earth, to a fallen world, to a fallen people, he sent Jesus for reconciliation with his creation. And if our God can do that, I think we can forgive our aunt for whatever she said at some sort of gathering we had can't we? Or our friend that knows us so well that they can hurt us so greatly. But the thing is, is they're also the ones that we need to forgive the most, right? And I think that forgiveness, sometimes that forgiveness extends further than that. That forgiveness needs to be given to the hardest person to forgive, yourself. Sometimes we have things in our lives where we need to forgive ourselves for what we've done. Jesus has. The debt is paid. And and the thing is, it's like the debt is paid. And and it's not like we we have to suddenly come to Jesus and our decision is what makes that all. All we're doing is we're going, yeah, Jesus, I recognize that. The gift is already there. Does that make sense? He's already forgiven us. It wrecks me when I think about he's already forgiven me for sins I haven't even committed yet. He's forgiven me. He's forgiven you for the things right now that are going through your mind because the enemy has a tendency to sit there and throw that stuff up in the air, right? Right? Throw it up in the air. That's fine. Let the chaff be blown away because that's all it is. It's chaff. It's worthless. Those things that we hold on to, they're worthless. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to the fact that he has wanted to reconcile us and he's already done the work. James 5 five 19 through 20 says my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins finally this one's a little odd as what kind of spy are you <laughs> i am bringing this in because this last week i i read this interesting book um And I'll tell you about it in a moment. Let me read read this. Um, You remember the story from Numbers 13. Moses sends people into the land, and uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers um, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them um, from the wilderness of Paran, um, according to the command of the Lord, and all the men who were the heads of the people of Israel. Um, and continuing on later, um, we see that they've gone and they've come back, and there's, there's the ten of them that come back and, and are like, it, it's great, it's beautiful, and, and then, but, but there's giants in the land, right? And they, um, there's only two that come back um, from that with a different experience. And, and, and Caleb quietly uh, quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And I, so I read this book called uh, um, The Spy's Guide to Thinking this last week. I don't know, it was, it was, in, a, it was in a leadership column, and it, it's not a book from a, a church perspective at all. This is actually a gentleman that was in the CIA. And it's, an, it's a little book. It reads fast, and it was an amazing way of thinking about things. Um, it's a simplicity of thinking. Um and how information moves from data to action, right? A spy is gonna go gather data, and they're gonna send it to analysts. And those analysts are gonna prepare that and bring it down to something smaller and more digestible to give to decision makers. And those decision makers are gonna make decisions that are gonna lead to action. And, and this um, gentleman is, um, is actually proposing that data that gathering that doesn't lead to action is worthless. And he proposes that's for organizations, that's for people in their lives, that if you're just gathering data and you do nothing about it, it's worthless. I think it, it, it translates, right? It, it translates well. Uh, data is what the spy would bring, and the data is analyzed by others, and, the, and it goes to the decisions and it goes to action. Um, unfortunately, we have these 10 spies, right? 10 of the 12 spies went into the land that came back and they kind of, they did data and analysis together and their analysis was very skewed. Their analysis was skewed by their own fears. And they told Moses oh, we're not, no, no, there's giants in the land. Oh, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I, I saw a spot down by the river. I just, Oh, that would have been great. But it's dangerous and we can't go there. The other two could not have disagreed more. They saw only one outcome because what God had said to go and check it out was just so that we could go and check out the land and go, yep, we can take it. So what kind of spy are you? Are you a spy that's gonna allow your fears or maybe misconceptions to slow you down? Or are you going to be that spy that's gonna go into the land for the mere purpose of saying, yes, Lord. What I observe being, uh, this, this idea of being restless in the book of James is that our faith should have an outcome of doing. Now, this outcome of doing in our lives really is all about the becoming or being. Because we're, we're about becoming and being children of God, of a living God. meaning that we're becoming more like Jesus. We are being when we are following closely the will of God for our lives. Restless people see the world around them differently. Restless people are ready for action. There's that, if you're restless, you're more on, on guard, ready to go. It's the it's difference between the, you, you remember the, the, um, uh, Gideon's army, there's the point where they're, they're drinking water and he, he's supposed to cut the people that are drinking, putting their face in the water and drinking. And the guys that are lapping from their hands. And it's like, they're lapping like dogs. That just sounds weird. Why are you taking those guys? But they were the ones that were sitting there, with the, they're ready. And they're drinking water like this, right? They're ready to go because they're looking around for the enemy. The other ones were laying on their stomach and just gorging on water. Send them home. Because they weren't ready. They weren't ready for action. They weren't ready for what God was calling them to do, to move to action. Restless people of God read his word and crave to respond. I want to do what God's word says, I want to find creative ways to do that in our community and see others' lives changed. I want to see others' lives become restless. Now, how that is, that doing, that being, that becoming, that's between you and God. I can, I can rail from up front and say, hey, we need to go do this. But you notice that's not what I'm doing. I may be a, a little bit of a cheerleader of sorts. I may say, hey, here's some things we can do. But you know you can you you can talk to Dennis. I didn't say, "Hey, Dennis, go do laundry, love." Dennis was feeling restless. Dennis came to me and said, "I'm restless. I want to go love these guys. What can I do?" And the thing is, I gave him like ten different things. I was just like, "Well, you could do this. You could do that." I mean, we would support you, whatever you're going to do. That great if you want to talk to somebody else to go with you. I just encouraged him to do what God had placed on him. And watching him love these guys. I mean, I'm just excited. I'm excited for what else is gonna come out of here that's creative. Creative ways to get into people's lives and see lives changed for the gospel. That's the kingdom. That's what Jesus was bringing. He was bringing a restlessness in us, a restlessness to what would become the church and it would go into all the world making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does that stir you at all? Do you feel restless at all? There's a way in your heart right now. You come up. I think I want to spend a little time. Put your stuff aside. I think that there's some people in here that there's a way in their heart right now or there's a restlessness in your heart right now, and you have no idea where to go with that. Maybe, as I've heard, some people are saying, well, we have limited circles that we're in. I have limited friends. Most of my friends are in the church. I've heard that time and again. But maybe there's there's that spring in your heart that you want the Lord to speak. How can I take this restlessness and Put it to action. How can I speak that into somebody's life? How can I speak the kingdom through my actions? How can I broaden my circles? Paul called, called for the people to, uh, to pray for... Um, sorry, not Paul. <laughs> no, Paul. Praying for expanding the tent pegs uh, of their lives. And, and, and there is that, that expanding our tent pegs that needs to happen. In each of us, I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about the chairs. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the 10 pegs of our heart. Dennis brought it up and said, hey, there's going to be some people that will come in here. They're going to smell like urine maybe. They're going to smell like the streets. And we're going to love them anyway, right? And they might become part of our family. And we're going to see them change. We're going to see their lives touched. And if, if you 've got that wrestling in your heart, what is that God? How does that look? How do I do that? I just wanna, I want to take some time let 's bow our heads and close our eyes and um, father God, we 're we're coming before you. know that we can pray for patience. We can pray for things that you will say yes to. And right now we say.